Good to be here to celebrate July the 4th with you. I um, appreciate the worship. This is what makes America great, isn't it? The fabric of America has religion just wrapped all through it. Today, America celebrates itself, and it stands proud and tall. There'll be fireworks everywhere. Many of you will be gathering in with your friends and family for picnics and backyard barbecues all across America, fireworks displays in every city. But, you know, before I get started, could I just, a couple things that I haven't figured out about America, we just get it all wrong. Only in America can pizza get your, to your house faster than an ambulance. And it's only in America are, these, are there handicapped parking places in front of a skating rink. Only in America does, do drug stores make the sick walk all the way to the back of the store to get their prescriptions, while the healthy people can buy cigarettes at the front. Only in America do people order double cheeseburgers, large fries, and a Diet Coke. Only in America do we leave cars worth thousands of dollars in the driveway and put our junk in the crotch. Hello? Okay. Only in America do we use answering machines to screen calls and to have call waiting so we won't miss any call when someone we didn't want to talk to in the first place. And only in America do we buy hot dogs and packages of 10 and buns and packages of 8. <laughs> All right. There's always a couple things, and you're allowed to laugh at family, right? You don't let anybody else laugh at us if they're not in family, so I had to bring that up. That's family. This morning I'd like to share with you what something that just kind of been going into my mind when I start thinking about the 4th of July, and it's a, sh- a shining city on a hill. This is a part of America sometimes that we take for granted, but I think there's something very important about it. Why America? Why us? What makes us what we are? We've got these freedoms, not because what everything we've done, but that's because it's what someone else has done for us. But there's an idea that I believe represents the blessing of God, the witness of God's blessing upon us, and and so that's the reason why I want to share with you just a little bit about what I believe is the basis of the shining city on the hill. Let's look at a couple scriptures that would just inform us a little bit. What joy for nations whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen for his own. That's something we ought to just, we were doing already. Were we not this morning? Praising the Lord. And then over in Daniel, a kind of prophetic look of how nations are formed. He determines the course of the world events. He removes kings and sets others on the throne. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to scholars. All these things are gifts that God gives us. And then it goes on to say in Romans, the 13th chapter, verse 1, Obey the government, for God is the one who put it there. All governments have their place in the power of God. I think it behooves us to remember on 4th of July that America is here not just because we have espoused certain political beliefs, but because there's a religious belief that is deep within us. And so I promise when I get started that this city on the hill, and you hear this concept from time to time, I promise that this is not a Democrat or a Republican talking point, okay? Let's get that straight. That's not where we're going with this. We don't use the pulpit in any way for any political gain. But 
and I'm not trying to give out my political frustrations to a captive audience because you're here for a few minutes. We're not, we're, that's not us. That's not where we're going to go with this. But there's a theme that keeps surfacing in all American politics, and it's the shining city on the hill. What, what is the story? There has to be a story behind it, and that's what I'd like to share in these few moments with you this morning. It's a, impossible to get the fabric of American um, religious culture without understanding this city, this city on the hill that all of our politics, politicians talk about. Now, I, I am not here to give the fine points of the argument when we talk about separation of church and state. Someone else can do that very avidly. But what I am here to tell you that the state or the government or this nation cannot exist without the church. It's kind of a talking point, but it's kind of thing that kind of gets to me a little bit. In some many ways, the church does need the state. We need to have the freedom to come here and worship, do we not? But I want the emphasis today is that the state needs the church. I pity the country that does not have the church because it does make all the difference. It's not a neutral idea. It's very religious. And we find it this morning. It's a, it's a picture when we find John Winthrop preach to those words as he followed the Puritans across the, across the Atlantic Ocean, as he gets in his ship and he travels along and he's on his way to land in Massachusetts and he gives his great sermon. That's where all of this comes from. The model of Christian charity was a, was a topic. But he talked about the, the city on a hill shining like a beacon. It's the Christian ideals that the rest of the world must get to look at and emulate deep within the American culture and soul. And this is part of the words that we hear time and time again. Let me share them with you. For we must consider that we shall be a city on a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. So, and I didn't spell that wrong, that's Old English. So, that if we shall deal falsely with our God, this work we have untaken, so shall he withdraw his presence out from us, and we shall be a story and a byword throughout the world. As those pilgrims were coming over here to settle in America, they were concerned about one thing. They were leaving the old country. They were doing an experiment. They were going to be a religious country settled here in America. And if they failed that, if they didn't get the task done, they would be the mocking stock of the old world. And I would even say to you this morning, before I really get into this message, when America fails to be the shining city on a hill, we do become the laughing stock. And we do become the byword of the, of the world that we live in. So important for us to understand this statement has been a part of us. Now, as I look back, most of us, and I'm probably not going to show the clip this morning just for time, Ronald Reagan's farewell address, but I, I, what I thought was so interesting, I thought, first of all, Ronald Reagan popped up to me, and I thought, well, he was always talking about the, the shining city on a hill. But as I went back and I really studied it, there has not hardly been a one president that did not use this concept. George Washington, John Adams, Abraham Lincoln. In the last 50 years, every president, presidential candidate has used the term, the, the city on the hill, and refer, reference to America. 
One Duke professor puts it this way, I tell my students to look at the political ads and see how the most effective ones are and what everybody wraps themselves around the myth of America. Now, I don't believe the, sunny, the shining city on the hill is a myth this morning, but they call it that because it's something that they can't get away, exists, and they can't explain it. In the city on the hill, I tell them nobody's going to get elected unless they talk about these myths. There's something about America and who we are as a people that is woven into our thought that we are something special, that God has blessed us, and there's something that is real for me. But where did that come from? And that's what we want to share with you. I, I, um, I like to get into the Old Testament a lot. I had the privilege to study in that area recently, but most of this traces back to what we call the Jerusalem tradition. Can I just tell you the story real quick? Um, I find over in Isaiah, to lead up to the Jerusalem tradition, in the last days in the mountain of the Lord, the temple will be established, and chief among the mountains it will be raised above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. And many people will come and say, Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us our ways, so that we may walk in his paths, the law go will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That was the picture of Jerusalem being placed on a mountaintop and the whole world would begin to come to it and to believe it and to do it. But it isn't very long when you walk in the Old Testament and we ought to learn a little bit from the Old Testament because every time a nation turned their back on God, God brought judgment on that nation. It was so important that the presence of God would remain. That's what Winthrop saw. He said, if we don't do what is right, the presence of God will be withdrawn from us and withheld from us, and we will become the mocking stock of the world. What a difference. A gap happens in Isaiah, and you go to the 40th chapter and even up to the 49th chapter, and all of a sudden the prophecy is different because Israel now is in captivity. What have they done? They've turned their eyes to other things and God has brought a rebuke to them. The very nation that was founded by God is now in captivity. And Isaiah writes, and this is where we're going to pick up this story. This is what the Lord says, In the time of my favor I will answer you. In the day of salvation I will help you. And I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land, and to reassign its desolate inheritance, and to say to the captive, come out, and to those in darkness, be free. That's the message of the shining city on the hill. That's what they begin to see. That's what John Winthrop saw, as he saw this opportunity when God would come, and it would make them such an example that people would come and they would learn a freedom from them. And to the darkness, they would say, be free. And so we have the shining city on the hill. All through church history, man has been searching for this city on the hill. As soon as we find Luther and the Great Reformation, we find the little colonies everywhere where cities were started off. Uh, Old Salem, Winston-Salem, your own heritage here. Is a, is a search for the city on the hill. All around us, throughout our culture, this same thing rings over and over again. Well, here's the question I offer to you this morning. What does this really mean? 
And why is this important? First of all, I would like to say that this is the American conscience and spiritual DNA. Isaiah says, Say to the captives, Come out, and to those in darkness, be free. There is a message that's different about the freedom that you and I enjoy in America today. We gathered here in worship not to be told how to worship, but you came on your free will, and there's a freedom that is the voice of America. And it's, it's a part of what was poured in by our forefathers, and it keeps resurfacing. Now, we, we talk about secular America. We're, we're, in, we're very upset about that, but with all of the things that's happened out there and all the different colleges that maybe teach a little bit different Still surfacing and still the most important idea is that most of us know what we want to be. We want to be that shining city on a hill. We're not satisfied with America just to be another country. They're part of our DNA and part of our spiritual consciousness is saying we want to be free. I would go a little bit further than that. I think that this speaks to the human spirit. And why do I say that? It's because I believe that when God poured out his spirit on all mankind, and when you were born, we believe in provenient grace as Wesleyans, right? God has come and he's enlightened every one of our hearts. There's a light that lighteth every man that, uh, that cometh into this world. And in him was life, and that life was the light of man. I believe right written on everybody's heart is a desire to find freedom in every way. I believe that you want to find spiritual freedom, and I believe that you want to find political freedom. All across the world today, people are longing to be free. And that's the reason the voices come out of the darkness, be free. And I would say to you this morning that that's the voice of God speaking to us. And where does that come from? And I've, I've, There's something that's written on us that sometimes we're not able to put our finger on. Maybe they can call it a myth if they want to. But I believe that God has put something in us that is so different from an animal or anything else, and that's this freedom, and that's that spirit. And I, there, there's something, too, that's written about this, the city on the hill. We find first Jerusalem was that first city that we find. And then we find nations gathering and the church looking for the city. And then when we read over in the book of Revelation, we find the city coming down. Everything, there, there is something about the story of the city that I believe is the longing that is in everyone's heart. What is that? It's, a, it's, it's that there would be a place that you and I could go that was decent. It would be a place where you and I could go that there was true freedom. There would be a place that we would go that everything was honest and love, full of love. There's a place that, was, that should exist. And Winthrop was disappointed. And sometimes we're disappointed but that thirst lives on and on in the heart of every man and woman. I, Abraham was confident. It's all right. Maybe, we, maybe I did. We, I was going to get drums to go along with that this morning. Abraham was confidently looking toward a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Don't you love that the story of all creation, the story that you and I believe, is not something that just we can guess about, but God, when he comes and places his spirit in us, there is a desire that begins to grow, and it's a hunger there. 
Often we cut it off, but when we allow God to work, we look for a city. It's a thirst that we have. And we're here this morning, we look for a city which does not have foundation, but have eternal foundations whose design and built with God. Well, where does that, how does that relate to us? Now, that could be over to me. I preach, okay, you're talking theology, you're talking about all these things. I really believe one of the most important things any church can be involved with is the prayer for their nation. We ought to plead every year, every day. We be, need to be before God pleading, Oh God, don't let your spirit be withdrawn from us. We should be repenting and saying, God, we don't want to see this happen in America. Your blessing is what makes a difference. We want to be a shining city on a hill. Secondly, I believe that you and I become that shining city. The good works that we do, the, we're, we're not willing for America just to crumble. It's the outreach ministries that we do. It's the things that we give our heart to. You and I, every day, become that living, shining city on the hill. And it's a choice that we make. We cannot become an island to ourselves. But we must somehow understand that that's not just someone else out there, but it's us. We make up the shining city on a hill. And so I come to you this morning, encourage you not to just let American ideal pass from us, but to understand that we have a special place in the shining city on the hill. I know I didn't preach long. Fourth of July, and I want you guys to go out and celebrate. But before we do, I... I would want us to stand for a moment before God in an intercessory prayer. Pray this morning for our country, our nation, our people, that we would do what the Bible has instructed us to do, be men, holy men everywhere, lifting up holy hands, and that we would pray this morning as a group together speaking first the praise of God and then to pray for our nation. Could you do that? Could you share with me this morning? Oh God, we come this morning first of all praying a prayer of repentance. We pray, oh Lord, that you would forgive us for our sins. We pray that you'd forgive us for allowing so many babies to be aborted. We pray this morning that you'd forgive us for allowing so many people to be swept under the carpet and forgotten. We pray this morning that you'd forgive us for not being faithful to speak your praise in the marketplace every day and lift up your name and to be the proper example that we should be. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would forgive us for not having a fervor for you when we go to church, for not every day lifting up our nation before you. 
Now, Lord, we want to thank you for this nation that you've given us. And we praise your name. We thank you that you have made it what it has been. And we believe what it shall be. And Lord, we come right now, we lift up our president, we lift up our congressmen, we lift up our nation. And we ask, oh God, right now, don't remove your presence from us. Lord, no matter how many people may speak against you, there's those who care. There's those who pray. There's those who, who struggle with this thing, Lord. And we pray this morning, don't remove your presence, but allow us to continue to be the shining city on the hill, and we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise, for you are faithful. Amen. Amen.